Uh, for those of you who are visiting or for those of you who are wrestling with that short-term memory thing, uh, a few weeks ago we started a new series on knowing God. And uh, in it, the first question that we addressed was the question of how do you know that God really exists? <clears throat> how could you prove the existence of God to someone who isn't sure that God exists or has, for lack of a better way to explain it, really doesn't understand who God is? And uh, we went through six things that we talked about, or six uh, proofs that we use to describe to a person that is questioning the existence of God as to why you would believe or I believe that God exists. The first thing was we saw <clears throat> the material universe indicated that it came from somewhere. Where did it come from? The nature and, and the, uh, the design and the order of that universe. How did it become as organized and as designed as it is if it just happened to be random or haphazard or whatever the evolutionists claim. Uh, the nature of man indicates that there's something very special about man in contrast to everything else that was created in the universe. The fourth thing that we saw was the Bible as an objective proof as to whether or not God truly exists. Number five was the person of Christ. And number six was personal experience. Today, what I want to do is concentrate on, that, on the particular area of the Bible uh, because I believe that the Bible can be used as a source of information to validate and to verify our belief that God truly exists if we understand how to use it properly rather than just flippantly say, well, the Bible says the problem that we have is we need to be able to come, up to common, come on to common grounds with a person and say, the reason that I believe that the Bible proves the existence of God is for the following reasons. And then we can say, the Bible says in this passage, this verse, this chapter, this book, whatever, this is what the Bible says as to the existence of God. But we have to keep first things first. Uh, I like the story of a gal that I heard of recently who was going on the lecture circuit. And she was going around to different universities and she was explaining uh, the ex why she believed in the existence of God. And as she was going through it, she began to explain why she believed that God exists. And at the end of her session, they had a question and answer period. And uh, someone stood up in the back who obviously did not believe in the existence of God and said, you know what, well, you know what, I I'm an atheist and I got a question to ask you. Do you really believe the Bible? And she said, absolutely, 100%. I believe that the Bible is reliable and trustworthy, that it's the Word of God. He said, are you going to tell me you believe everything that's in the Bible? She said, absolutely. Everything. Absolutely. Do you believe in all the miracles that are in the Bible? And she said, I certainly do. And the man said, are you going to tell me that you believe that a man could be swallowed by a whale or a fish and live within that whale for three days? She said, I certainly do. The Bible says it and I believe it. The man said, now, how in the world did something like that happen? She said, well, you know what? I don't really know. I don't have all the answers, but I know the Bible teaches it and I believe it. But uh, you know what? I'll tell you what I'll do. When I get to heaven, I'll talk to Jonah and ask him what it was like. The guy in the back room thought a minute. He said, well, you know what? What if Jonah's not in heaven? She said, well, then um, why don't you ask him? <laughs> so, you know... The point is that, you know, the Bible really is the glue that holds everything together. Everything that we believe is found in the Bible. But we have to understand why we believe in the Bible. You know, just as a matter of review, the one question that keeps coming back up is, how do we know, since we were not there, 
at the time that these things had taken place, how do we really know that they occurred? And that's a very good question, and that's one that needs to be addressed. We went into great detail. If you're really interested in it, we have a tape. It's tape FG589. This is my way of saving some time here. FG589. We did a couple of years ago. But in, 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 as an overview, what we talked about was that we know that the Bible is a historically reliable source of information based upon the same tests that are applied to any other secular or religious uh, article in history. See... You were not, and I was not, at least, well, maybe some of you were, but does anybody remember anything firsthand about the Civil War? <laughs> All right, good. I picked one out then that we could... See, you weren't there, and I wasn't there, but we are told that the Civil War took place. Now, how do we know that the Civil War took place if we were not there? So, the tests that we use to validate any other historical documentation are the same tests that we would use to document whether the Bible is reliable and accurate. Milita the military historian C. Sanders examines these three tests. He says there's three tests that are applied to any historical document. Test number one is a bibliographical, tech, a bibliographical test. And what it does, it examines the textual transmissions of the things that were written at the time that they were written, and if we do not have the original autographs or the original writings, if there were copies made, how much time lapsed between the time that the original was, was, was put together and the time that the copies came into existence. That's textual transmission. That's a bibliographical test. How much time and how much opportunity for error was there between the time it was originally written and the time that the copies were then produced? All right? The second thing that is used is internal evidence test. And specifically, one of the biggest uh, areas of the test is eyewitnesses. The, the recordings of events that were written by eyewitnesses to those accounts are what we would use to validate the historicity of the Scripture as well as any other piece of antiquity. I think it's interesting when we talk about the bibliographical test is that the New Testament has 20,000 copies of manuscripts the second piece of work in antiquity is the Iliad and has 643. See, there would be no one who would use these tests that would argue that, you know what, if we were to accept the Iliad, Iliad as a piece of antiquity, that we would not accept the New Testament that has 20,000 manuscripts opposed to 643. When you get into the internal evidence and you see that eyewitnesses, since none of us were there, I wasn't there, I didn't see Jonah get spit out by a whale. I didn't see it happen. I can't claim that I do. But the question is, those who claim to have seen it or those who claim to know about it, how accurate were the writings of those who saw it to what actually took place? Obviously, the more eyewitnesses, the greater the reliability of the testimony. For example, we are told that over 500 people witnessed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They spent 40 days with him. They spoke with him. They ate with him. They conversed with him. They traveled with him. Over 500 people attest to the resurrection of Christ from the dead. 500 eyewitnesses. Simon Greenleaf set out to disprove the resurrection and became a believer as an attorney recognized the credibility of the fact if 500 eyewitnesses were at an event that I was to defend, I would never lose a case, he said, quote, unquote. Interesting. 
So then we also get into external evidence. That deals with secular historians. What did they say about what was written? Is what was written in conflict with the historical records of secular history? You know, was Quirinius really the governor of Judea? Or, and when you go through and you look at the, the historical evidence throughout the Bible, are these really facts? Were they in dispute at the time in which they were written? Do secular historians who may not believe in God or the existence of God or even the believe in the Scripture, do they still say the historical facts in these books are correct? What about archaeology as it confirms the historicity of the Scripture? What about fulfilled predictive prophecy? All these things help us to understand how trustworthy the Bible is. We looked at practical experience. One thing that I know from practical personal experience is this, that when I asked Jesus Christ into my life in February of 1978, my life drastically changed. I never read the Bible. I did not understand the Bible. I didn't know what the Bible claimed. But what I do know is this, my life changed. Then as I began to read the Bible, I began to realize that the Bible said, if any man's in Christ, old things pass away and all things become new. The Bible says that. I didn't know the Bible said it. I didn't know the Bible claimed it. But all I know is what happened to my life. That old things pass away. All things become new. There's a new thought process that goes on. I began to re- realize the Bible said that his spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a child of God. That the Spirit of God would attest to the fact that there's been a change in my life. That I knew if I died today that I'd go to heaven. The Bible says, absent from the, from the body, present with the Lord. All these things happen after I put my faith and trust in Christ. And as I begin to read the Bible. Though it's pragmatic and it's practical, the reality of it is, I can believe the Bible's trustworthy because what it says took place before I even knew what it said. You follow that? That's real important. So as we go through this, we'll look and see that the Bible really is the glue that holds everything that we believe together. And that's why as Christians we so often claim to quote from the Bible to support our belief system. All that I'm challenging us to do is to understand the person that you're going to be speaking to may not be on the same level as you are in accepting that the Bible really is the Word of God or trustworthy. And so we need to develop a common ground before we begin quoting passages and verses from the Bible. Understand? Simple. Go. The Bible holds it all together. Now, the the question is, can we rely on the Bible? And why should we trust it? Now, Psalm 119, 81 and 82, we read this. My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes will fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? The psalmist says, you know what? My soul faints with longing for your salvation. You know what? I don't always see what you say is true, but I've still put my faith and trust and confidence in you. See, so often what is true about God and about His Word and about what He promises, we do not see those promises. So often what is true about archaeology, for example, is that archaeology verified and validated what others had believed prior to the discovery of whatever it was that they discovered because the person prior to that said, I haven't lived to see it yet. I haven't seen, and we haven't seen Noah's Ark. Now, there are people looking for it for centuries and they're still looking for it and they want to find it. But if the Bible says that God 
lifted Noah and his family above the flood in an ark that he built and it rested on the mountains of Ararat, then I believe that that's true, though we haven't lived to see the discovery as of yet. All that archaeology will do for me is just validate one more reason why I should believe in the Bible. The day they discover it, I'm not going to be in awe of it and I'm not going to be jumping up and down saying, oh great, I'm so glad because my, my faith was so shaky, it was all based upon whether they found the ark. It's not based on that. It, when it's found, if it's found, if God chooses to allow somebody to find it, all it's going to do is say, see, I'm trustworthy. See, that's what the psalmist said. I don't always see what you say, but my faith and my hope is in what you say. So the second, in Psalm 119, 85 and 87 says, The arrogant dig pitfalls for me, prior to, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for men persecute me without cause. They almost wipe me from the earth. But you know what? I haven't forsaken your precepts. Things get shaky and my face starts to crumble a little bit. You know what? I don't think I got to hold my only thing I got to hold me together. The only glue that I have in, a, in an unstable world that keeps me from falling apart is your promises and your word and the reliability of it. That's why it's so important that we understand why we can trust the Bible. Psalm 119, 89, 90 and through 90 says, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You have established the earth and it endures. Your word, O Lord, is what? Eternal. See, you know what's interesting is, is that since God is outside the realm of time and space, He can give us counsel that is not just timely for the moment, but is timeless for all of eternity. See, oftentimes we can give counsel to one another that is good for that moment in time, for that particular situation, but it doesn't mean that it is timeless counsel that somebody can rely upon in every situation in life. It is good for that moment. God says, my counsel is timeless. It's eternal. You can bank on it today and it will never be contradicted in the future. See, stop, you've got to put all this together. Why should I believe in the Bible? Why should I feel the Bible is trustworthy and reliable? Well, the question, if you want to dispute that is, all right, tell me where, in what book of the Bible, and where will you find something that God said that has been later contradicted at some point in the future? God said this, but he was wrong. Show me. Do you realize how incredible that is? That God could put a compilation of work together, 66 books written by 40 different people from diverse backgrounds, written over 1,500 years, and be able to give us counsel that is good for eternity. Nothing in it has ever proven to be wrong. People have been trying their whole lives to disprove it because if you can disprove and contradict what the Bible says, then you can throw away everything that a Christian says they believe. But God says, you know what? My word's eternal. You try all you want. You're not going to find anywhere that it's going to let you down. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. How many of you say amen to that? Listen to this. Do you realize what God's saying? You know what the psalmist says this. You know, as I look back on my life, and your word said something, and I wanted to do the opposite. And I was really struggling with it because I had never seen what you said as to whether what you were saying was really true. And so as a result, I was struggling with, I think I'm going to do this my way. And maybe at the last moment, 
You go, no, I'm not. I'm not going to do it my way. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. In all my ways, I'm going to acknowledge Him because I believe He'll set my path straight. I'm going to trust in Him even though I don't see it and understand exactly what it is He's saying. The psalmist says this, Man, oh man, oh man. That's the living version. (laughs) I am so glad that I believed in the Word of God and not in myself. I am so glad that I believed and listened to the counsel of God and not in what I wanted to do. I am so glad I didn't do what I thought I was going to do and didn't do it the last second because I knew what God said and I had to believe what He said was right. And He says, you know what? If, my, if your law of God hadn't been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. Man, I would have did something really stupid. And I'm so glad that I didn't. Because I saw somebody else that was facing the same situation and they decided to do it the way that I was going to do it and the way it was in opposition to what you said and I saw what happened to their life and it is messed up. You see that? God's word is eternal. It's timeless. His counsel is never proven wrong. So as you go through it, why in the world should we believe in the Bible? Why is the Bible trustworthy? And we'll take a look at three things. Three things that we need to understand. Number one, why should I trust the Bible? That's the question that we're asking. Who's on Monday Night Live? No. Um, why trust the Bible? Number one, you got your Bibles? Open them up. Turn to Luke chapter 24. That's the question. Why trust the Bible? And that's a valid question. Why should I trust it? Luke chapter 24, verses 27 through 32. It has to do with its identity. What does the Bible claim to be? Luke 24, verse 27 through 32. After Jesus had rose from the dead and he was on on the road to Emmaus, he ran into some of the disciples, and this is a conversation that took place. And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he would go further. And they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and breaking it, he had began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? The scriptures, that which is written. The Bible claims to be the written word of God. The Bible claims that that is exactly what it is. God's word in written form. You know what's wonderful to me is that everything important in life we put in writing. If you stop and think about it, everything important in life is put in writing. Whether it's a contract, whether it's a company policy, whether it's our laws and ordinances, whether it's rule books, whether it's contracts, marriage license, deeds of trust, whatever, all the things that are important in life we put in writing and God did the same thing for us. The most important thing for us to know is what God has to say and therefore He preserved it in written form. It is in writing. Jesus identified the scriptures as the written word of God. Over 2,000 times throughout the Old Testament, we, hear, we read of and hear the phrase, Thus says the Lord. 
The prophet said, the word of God came to me, Jeremiah. The word of God came to me, Isaiah. The word of God spoken through the prophet. The word of God. Do you follow that? The Bible says that it is the written word of God. Jesus, as he was wrestling with temptation, uh, and the devil came to him and tempted him, said this, Have you not read? It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Have you not read? Jesus said that often as he spoke and as he taught. Have you not read? It is written. Let me give you another example in the book of Luke. Go back to chapter 4. Chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. Jesus identifies the scriptures as the written word of God. Now, we've already discussed why we believe in Jesus Christ and in the person of Christ. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. And here he is, God himself, Jesus in human flesh, saying to us, Hey, you know what? The word of God, the scriptures are the word of God. In Luke chapter 4, a great story of doubt and concern and question on the part of John the Baptist. John the Baptist was, uh, in, in fact, in Luke 4, look at verse 14. We'll start there first. It says, And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. News about him spread throughout all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth, which had been brought up, where, where he had been brought up, as was his custom. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and he found the place where it was written. Very specifically, Jesus opened the scroll of Isaiah, went right to the spot that was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are downtrodden, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it to the attendant, sat down, sat down. all their eyes in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he said to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus knew the word of God and knew exactly where to find the point he was trying to make. And he went to it and said, this is what God said. It was put in writing through the prophet Isaiah and now you have lived to see it because this is what's happening today. Jesus never questioned that the scriptures were the written word of God. It's identity. Why believe or trust in the Bible? Because it is the Word of God. Look at Luke 7. One more example. Luke 7, verse 11. Luke 7, verse 11. Look what Jesus has to say to John the Baptist. In verse 7, starting with, in chapter 7, starting with verse 11, we read this. And it came about soon afterwards that he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large multitude. Now as he approached the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearer came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out all over Judea and all surrounding district. And the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. And summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? 
And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. What an awesome story. As John the Baptist began to doubt whether Jesus was truly the Messiah, was he the one that we've been waiting for? Was he the hope of all of Israel? The disciples sent a couple of guys, I mean, John sent a couple of his disciples to Jesus to say, would you please make sure that it, it, he's who I think he is? And at that very moment, Jesus began to fulfill the scripture that was written through the prophet Isaiah in the 61st chapter, starting with verse 1. We were told that the Messiah would do things that had never been done in the history of the world. That God's Savior, His Deliverer, would do things that were recorded 800 years before the moment that they took place. They were put in written form. Why should I trust the Bible? Because it's trustworthy. Because it's trustworthy because its identity claims it to be the written Word of God. Timeless, eternal not limited to time and space, but authored by God himself. And, and the point that he made to John the Baptist was, and if you doubt it, watch what I'm about to do. And that's exactly what he did. Why should I trust the Bible? Well, this is all we can grab onto for today. But it's good enough. I'll tell you why I trust the Bible. Because it is the Word of God. It is the written Word of God. And not just because... The Bible says it is, but you need to understand something. The Bible is not just one book. See, the, the problem that we have with the critics of the Scripture is that the critics say, well, yeah, the Bible supports itself. And you can't use a work to support itself. You can't take a history book, one book, and use what's written in it to support itself. And I say, you are absolutely right. You can't do that. Now, let me ask you something. If you took, let's say, for instance, 66 books that were written over, let's say, 1,500 years by 40 different people. Now, let's just say for a moment that you took 66 books written over 14 or 1,500 years, written by 40 different people. Could you use one author to check the work of another author, to check the work of another author, to check the work of another author, to check the work that was written 800 years before something that took place 800 years later? Would that be an accurate way to measure whether something is trustworthy? And they'd all say, yes. And then we'd say, guess what? You just proved that I can trust the Bible. And then they'd still go, nuh-uh. Because <laughs> they don't want to believe it. That's the problem. See, it's not our minds that hold us back from believing in God. It's our hearts. It's our pride. It's our stubbornness. God lays out the evidence. And He did to John the Baptist. And He said, If you are struggling with whether to believe in Me, then look at the evidence. And that's what we're here to do throughout this series, is to look at the evidence. Because it's overwhelming. Why do I trust the Bible? Because Jesus himself claimed it was.
the written word of God. Jesus himself relied upon it wholeheartedly to demonstrate he was who he claimed to be. And so should we. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time, just this time, just to look at this one, just one point about why we should trust in your word. God, you tell us that the Bible is your written word, that you've revealed it to us. God, help us to understand how we came to know the Bible as we know it, how it came to be in the form in which we have it, and why that should help us as we share with others who do not know whether they believe in you or whether they should believe in you who do not know whether the Bible is full of contradictions or not. Help us to be uh, more prepared. Help us to be ready to give a defense, to be able to uh, explain why we believe what we believe to the people that you bring into our lives. God, help us to sanctify the Lord Jesus Christ in our heart, always ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us. And we just praise you at what you'll do as you change that person's heart. And we just praise you in Christ's name. Amen.